1: Hey guys, just checking in from post-production to let you know that I am aware that Charles Microphone had a little bit of trouble specifically during the middle of this episode. It was kind of a little weird clicking noise that was in there. Uh, I thought the episode was really good and I thought Carl specifically killed it and it, it was a great game a great win for Minnesota. So I decided to, to keep it on there. Um, I couldn't edit it out. So hopefully you can look past it just throughout that 10-15 that minutes and um, hopefully you guys enjoy a great episode. Let's get to it. What's going on, people? Welcome to Pain Points. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Painting. This podcast is brought to you by the SB Nation Network and the Canis Hoopers family. I am coming to you live today, straight after the Minnesota Timberwolves recorded their first win of the season in the first game of the season, 111-101 to over the Detroit Pistons. It was a strange kind of night. It was definitely a, a Wolves kind of opening night, and um, we're going to get into the, into the bad, the good. Uh, all the random stuff that we saw, and um, to do that with me today is Kana Supers, editor-in-chief, all-round friend of the show,
0: and, and good guy, Kyle Tardy. What's going on, Kyle? What's going on, man? I'm excited. I'm glad we uh, we had been planning this pod before the game, and then it started out really bad, and I was like, oh, oh, God. <laughs> um, but that fourth quarter was awesome. They found, uh, they found some things in, uh, that, that worked. They played a lot of zones, so yeah, let's talk about it.
1: Yeah, so as you said, I think um, just as a quick recap, the the Wolves obviously started really poor. I think it was eight nothing or ten nothing after about two minutes. of Townsend hadn't touched the ball. Uh, the sky was falling. I, I was missing the the long boring off season already after about two minutes. But but they did fight their way back, and yeah, as as you said, Kyle, the the game ended in a on a really fun note, and. Yeah, so we'll go through just the good and the bad. I don't, I don't want to go through, you know, pick apart every single part of the game. I think that, um, it, you know, most people watch it if they're listening to this, or at least kind of know what happened. So let's start with the good. Uh, no, you know what? Let's start with the bad. Let's get the bad out of the way first, and then, and then we'll we'll finish on a on a positive note. Um, what what did you see, or what was the first thing I guess that stood out to you that that worried you, or really, you know, made you kind of
0: upset watching the game? All right, I, I'm down with that. Let's start with the bad. Let's just have a primer, though, that, as you said, and I think Dave Ben sent this to on, on the call, 288 days since we've had the Timberwolves, right? Pandemic, election year in the United States, economic crisis, like you and I, you, you and Mike uh, and Jack and the whole team have been like holding Canis together, right? So, Unless the building burned. I
1: think tameness has been holding us
0: together. (laughs) (laughs) So, unless the target center burned down, that was the only way tonight to me was going to be a disaster. Uh, you're right. So, they come out eight nothing. Uh, I guess the first bad for me is again, it's one game, one game, but I have never in the preseason nor in the obviously now the regular season. I don't like the starting lineup. It's just a me thing. I I don't think Jake Lehman's bad. I think he's going to have, I mean, again, Blake Griffin's a tough matchup, but the the counter to that is there's a lot. They play Anthony Davis coming up, then Derek Favors, okay? And then, you know, like Serge Ibaka and Zubat, like it doesn't get any smaller in the West. So if they're going to play small, I think the guy next to Carl just has to be, and I'm not not an elite IQ like you or a Dane Moore or Jack or any of those guys. I just think the guy that plays next to Carl needs to be a better basketball player. Until they solve the power forward, so I don't know, if... or at least a bit, at least a bigger basketball player, right? Like the size disadvantage was so obvious tonight. It was it was terrible. So again, that's my first bad, and I, I wanted your opinion because you, you you get into the kind of the X's and nose of this, but I just don't. I've been a proponent of Malik Beasley being a six man just because I like to stagger his minutes. And now, granted, tonight the lineup they start Rubio because Russell had to. Del- I think basically, I think they were kind of slapping his wrist for showing up. Late for a COVID test. We don't know the specifics yet, but that's the tea leaves. Um, but I just don't. I'm not a huge fan of a Beasley, Russell, Okogie, Layman, Towns lineup. I just don't like it. Do you?
1: Yeah, I, I think, and I think it hurts. Like you said, I think it hurts a lot with Rubio in there because as soon as, you, as much as we both love Rubio, and Rubio had a really Rubio kind of night tonight where he was. Pretty good and had like two points and, and three assists or something like, but when Rubio's out there with a Kogi it kind of and then layman who's an iffy three point shooter, and sometimes you know on nights like tonight kind of a a background player offensively, I think that you lost a lot of offensive punch from the get go before you would even started the game, and then you know Beasley comes out and he can't hit a shot and and towns can't get the ball for five minutes, you know feels like he doesn't touch the ball. Um. So yeah, I, there's a hole at power forward, and right now I don't know how to fill that hole because when Layman's not playing well, and Wancho, who we'll get into in a bit, isn't playing well either. Even worse. Um. It, it really it really makes it hard to to figure out a solution to that problem. You know, like I completely agree that it is a problem, and and I think I think the starting lineup would have looked better with Russell in there for a bit more shot creation and and a guy who can who can just Score pretty much um outside of towns and and when Beasley's kind of on a cold streak, but yeah, it's a tough one. And and like you said, it was a great point. I think that the West doesn't get any smaller. In fact, Griffin might be one of the smaller fours right. that they're gonna play in the next you know six seven games. So
0: and, and yeah, and, 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 and in Ryan's defense, in co- head coach, you know Ryan Saunders' defense, the one thing for the last you know okay, so they draft Anthony Edwards, right? They we do the draft stuff. And then we basically start to get into preseason, and all we've talked about is rotations, right? Every time I see rotations, I just want to drink. But I don't think (laughs) people realize that talking about rotations isn't about necessarily the five guys Ryan Saunders puts on the court. You have to see those guys get a sample size of things. It's not just like entering the game. You actually have to let them ebb and flow a little bit and get like minutes So when we talk about tinkering with the rotation, that's the whole reason I think a lot of us, especially guys like you and I, have been preaching patience. Because I think we're going to see some really bad lineups for a while until we hammer out things like, does Rubio play better with Josh or with Jarrett? Should Jarrett start over Josh? You know, like, should Ant game 35 start over Beasley to bring more scoring off the bench and kind of balance things out? That's the type of stuff that, like, you hammer out over a nine-game preseason. And we're just like screw it we're just gonna have to figure it out in the season so I think you're gonna see more stints like that first quarter where it's really bad but I'm not a Ryan Saunders apologist but I think we both want to see him have a chance with real players it was his call or David Vanderbilt's, but I mean Ryan's the guy that the sword falls on the sword it was his call to play zone and the zone defense yeah. won them the game that's it oh. Good. <laughs> Like, so when you, yeah. when you said Rubio, yeah, he had three points and three assists. He had those back-to-back steals when he was basically guarding Blake Griffin at the top of the zone. And that pretty much set the run off. Yep. Like, that pretty much ended the
1: game. Yep. You know, like, that started the end for, for Detroit. And, and I think that's a brilliant point that you make about, It's like, sometimes you just have to let things ride out. Like, as fans, it's easy for us to sit on the couch and... And call for, you know, Ryan Saunders to get one show off. And I I have a tweet sitting on my timeline right now saying, get one show off, you know. (laughs) So do Um, I. (laughs) And and it's easy for us to, you know, say like this lineup doesn't work, this lineup doesn't work, but they need to see why it doesn't work. And sometimes it'll be so untenable that they have to just hook a guy and, and, you know, try something else. But they need to see, especially after three preseason games and, you know, 10 minutes of of regular season, like they can't just immediately scrap a lineup and and put it in the never play again bin, you know, like they need to see why it doesn't work and what they can improve or what they can sub in to, to make a lineup work with, you know, the three core guys or the four core guys. So yeah, it's, it's tough. In the first game, it's tough to make any sweeping, sweeping declarations, but I think that you like, it's pretty obvious that there's a hole at, at the four spot and that, the the starting unit is kind of disjointed and especially when like if, if Josh Okoge is gonna guard Blake Griffin, which he did pretty much the entire time he was on the floor, then it gets even wonkier because it's it seems it seems odd to have Lehman out there or Wanzo out there with a if a is gonna guard the four. Like I don't know why you wouldn't just have Edwards out there, you know what I mean? Or, or Culver out there, because if you if you're using your pretty much two or three to, to guard the four Then it kind of seems redundant to have a a true four or a you know smaller kind of four like Wancho or or layman out there. But but as I said, we they need to see these things. They need to to get a
0: glimpse of what works and what doesn't, and then adjust from there. Yeah, I mean coaching is also I mean, coaching is a lot psychology, right? Like you and I have played basketball before. If whether it be middle school or whatever, like if you know that if you miss one shot or miss one rotation, you're getting yanked that's not how this works. It's not football where every play you can sub guys in and out. Like you got to kind of let them just have these three to four minute stints. And I think that's where I don't like what Ryan starts right now. I, I just, I'm not the, I'm not the layman at power forward guy. I don't know what the answer is, but I just want to see something different, but I will give credit to Ryan in the second half. Cause he made those switches and he yanked Wancho early when it just, it just wasn't working. And I think, if you're buying and selling stock, you should buy stock and Juancho Hernan Gomez only because the stock is free. Like you <laughs> couldn't have had a worse force games to start this preseason regular season. But if his shot comes on, I mean, again, you're my guy on this. So you you study shot mechanics and all stuff. He got good looks. Yeah. Right. Like, I still think I still think that he.
1: I think that he can see that he. Like I think you saw it sometimes with Wiggins. You've seen it with you know players throughout the whole league that when they really want to make that shot and when they need to, when they feel like they yeah, need to make those it. shots, yep. those the, yeah, those shots just don't fall. And like last season when he was in that you know 13, 14 game stretch with Minnesota, I don't think he felt like he needed to hit shots because they would they were already dropping. You know what I mean? So he he was just going out there and playing free. And I think that that Wancho he he's feeling the pressure at the moment. Obviously his starting role has been taken. He played 11 minutes tonight. Like, I don't think anyone would have guessed that in game, you know, two months ago that in game one, Wancho was going to play 11 minutes and, and come off the bench. And and Lehman only played 16 and a half. So, like, that's, you know, there's 28 minutes there between the two power forwards. So maybe that's just a, a thing, you know, with with the fact that they wanted to use a Cody on Blake Griffin. Like, maybe those minutes, I, I'd say they, those minutes do even out a little bit as they start to play bigger teams. I think Wancho is still bigger than, than her, uh, than Lehman, even if he's not quite the defender, but he's probably a better rebounder. I think that the rebounding advantage or disadvantage was pretty obvious tonight at times, um, especially on the offensive glass for, for Plumley and for, for Blake Griffin. And it's just, yeah, it's a tough one with the power forwards. Like they didn't score, to, they they played 28 minutes. They didn't score either of them. I think Wancho was the guy I had down as, as one of my bad spots. and, I think he was virtually unplayable. I think he was one of the guys who, who Saunders pretty much said, like, I'm not giving you this chance. I'm, I'm I am going to hook you early because we can't win tonight with you on the floor. Like when he's not a, when he's not knocking down jumpers, he's, he's, you know, barely an NBA player. As harsh as that sounds, and you know he's not good defensively. He, he's extremely slow to react, both mentally and physically defensively, and. It probably makes you know for the wider fan base and for us as well. It probably makes the the Rondé Hollis Jefferson moves thing a little bit more, just because those guys were both pretty bad tonight. I do expect them to get better. Uh, you know, I I doubt they're gonna be massive minuses. Like Hernan Gomez was a minus seven. Layman was a minus fifteen tonight, and and virtually every other player on the on the roster outside of Nazareed was was a positive, a plus. So. That, yeah, that, that's the spot, it, It's going to be. It's going to be a talking point all season.
0: That's that's probably the stat of the night, though. I hadn't even noticed that. I'm looking down at my box score here. Uh, 20, 29 combined minutes for for Layman and and Wancho. I don't think they shared the floor at all, but I'd have to go back and check that. But I think they were. Yeah, the, no,
1: they did. They didn't. They okay. definitely did. So didn't. they were
0: the twenty nine minutes of power forward and got combined zero for 8, uh, 0 for five from three, and four rebounds, zero assists, and zero points. Like that's a, and again, that's bad. That that's it. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. Um, I would imagine, and again, I am not. I'm guilty of essentially being drunk off the Kool Aid. But I also like Gerson Rosas and like Sachin Gupta and those guys. They 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 saw that box score too. Like that's why they were sniffing Larry Nance Jr. This and they were sniffing Derek Jones. Um, is it Derek Jones Jr.? Yeah. And Aaron and Aaron Gordon. Like they have a stereotypical like they want a bigger Jake Lehman, right? Like they want an athletic kind of. Rim protecting, can make some plays, guy. Um, They just weren't willing to. I mean, now in hindsight, I'm really glad they didn't trade Jared Culver for Aaron Gordon. He would Aaron Gordon would help, obviously, but he like that's if we transition into the good. Jared Culver again was awesome, but let's go. Do you, what did you have another bad? Like something that really stood out.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I had the one Wancho thing. I think that that's going to get beaten to death throughout the season. And especially in the next few days, you know, after the game tonight, the two other things that, that really stood out to me that I think would have been the reason that Minnesota lost the game had they lost it. And I think they were obviously very much in danger of losing it was one. Uh, the transition defense was just so, so bad. Like, Off misses, off mates. Um, all night the wolves jogged and the pistons ran in transition, and that's pretty much the crux of it right there. Like they had twenty three points in transition, Detroit. It felt like they had about seven hundred (laughs) and thirty. Um, it's just it was. It's one of them things where obviously there's there's things that need to be better in technique. Um, Jim Pete on the on the broadcast made a good point. I think it was Layman where. You know, if you if you shoot a three, you can't stand there and watch the three. You know, with your with your wrist snapped, watching it like waiting for it to go in or to miss. Like you have to get back in transition. Like that's bottom line. You have to get back. And they didn't do that at all tonight. Towns has been you know culpable for this for throughout his whole career. He he had a pretty average night. You know, in transition defensively, and then but it's just about I think even more than technique, it's it's just effort. Like you just need to run back in in transition like there's no two ways about that you just need to run harder and that's something that I think uh killed them tonight and then the second thing for me was was the shooting at the rim which was just like it was just one of those nights so many shots just rolled off the cylinder that would usually fall and and it really hurt it's something that I'm not really like overall worried about because it was just it was just one of those nights like I said, like. I trust a lot of these guys as finishers, but it, it was really, really bad tonight and it, it tanked the offense. It's like the there was stretches throughout this game where the offense just completely died and the defence is just not good enough to to hold up a torpedoing offense and like I don't think that's gonna happen, you know, as often as it did tonight, but dude, <laughs> shooting at the rim was so hard to watch. But you
0: know what though? That's so that's a bad and I, I, I stamped that. But for the first 40 minutes of the game, right? We're probably staring down the barrel of a, of a loss. So I was I was again, swear on my life, like I'm not trying to be a Wolves apologist cuz I too would like to see some wins. Like that would be cool to talk about cool shit rather than bad Ls all the time. But that was going to be like my one saving grace if they did stumble and fall by four. I mean, I honestly thought it was just bad luck. Like I I mean, like I mean we're talking about layups that weren't like contested. We're talking about like Layup line misses. Like there, I well, mean, Ricky I, Rubio hit
1: like the bottom of the rim on a layup with no one within twenty foot of him.
0: Well, and then, not to pick on him, because I do think he will get better and show some value. I'm not huge on Wancho, but I think he'll be better. But he had one. I think he made like a back cut or something. And like yeah. he had the worst layup of the game. Like if you go rewatch <laughs> it, it was. And that's what almost tells you that he's got a little culver in him right now. That like, yeah, he might have read a tweet or two. By one of us, that's yeah. like you're really bad right now, and he's <laughs> he might just be in his head because when he came from Denver, he was on cloud nine. Man, he got he got freed from the Denver bench. He got to start and play a lot of minutes in a contract yeah. that's year. A sh- that's a shot. That's a shot that he didn't even think about in those fourteen games. Right. Like that, just right. he
1: just caught the ball and put the ball in. But that, like, you can- it was that split second where he was like, "I'm finally going to get two points. Like, I'm finally going to get off the mark here." And he just like threw it over the cylinder.
0: It was. It was just. That 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 layup when he missed. I mean, he was taking good threes. One of them was pretty far out. They looked good. He's got a good stroke. Um, but when he missed that layup, yeah. it was like, oh, you know what? You just might not like. You might be having the jitters right now, and that's that's actually okay. <laughs> like he, he'll fix that. Yeah. I think he'll because the thing is, is that whether you like him or not, they need him this season, or they need him until March, and when they make a trade for a Larry Nance or something, like he's gonna have to play because. That he's he is a human like a big human being. Like he, he he can at least throw a body on a Derek Favors. He can't guard him, but you're gonna be able to throw Anthony Edwards at Derek Favors next week or this weekend, like that's not gonna work. So yeah, I would say that was another bad takeaway. And then did you have anything else? I was trying to just look at like the Wolves only had eleven turnovers. It seemed like they had fifty. Um
1: Yeah. But the offense the offense was suffering from some of that, you know, first two preseason game uh rustiness i think at the start like there was they were definitely hot and cold for the game like when they got going you could see exactly what you know this we talk about when we when we say top five offense top 10 offense like you could see long flashes of that and then it was like they can't hit a shot for three four minutes and and that i think was partly due to the the shooting at the rim because those when they did get an easy look they couldn't hit it, and then that kind of, you know, chips away at your momentum and chips away at your confidence. And all of a sudden, Carl Anthony Towns missed. I think there was one, you know, um, section where they couldn't hit a shot, and Carl Anthony Towns missed a wide open three. And it was kind of like, man, these dudes are still a little bit rusty, which is to be expected. And, and I, I don't think you can say that's why they would have lost because Detroit are a team with, you know, four new starters and, like, it's it, they were in the same boat and i think they were pretty uh rusty offensively like they scored 16 points in the last quarter and i'm not sure that it was all down to minnesota all, all of a sudden becoming you know the 68 celtics on defense like
0: but i will say though if you you know, holiday season holiday weekend now for both both of us um if you're looking yes, for something christmas
1: christmas for me tomorrow yeah
0: christmas we're recording wednesday so christmas for us in the states on friday but if you're looking for something to like grind up and put in your eggnog, just grind up that fourth quarter. Because the, yeah, fir- yeah. the first three quarters were what we kind of saw in the preseason, you know? But what 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 Rosas wants to do, man, and y- you hear that you've been sitting in a lot of media calls and stuff. Um, their goal when this team ever becomes good or ever becomes a, a fringe contender or whatever, they want teams to have to match them, right? Like they don't want to be the team that's always matching up and, and reacting. They want to be proactive. And in that fourth quarter, with the five they put out there in that zone, again, watch the last eight and a half minutes of that fourth quarter if you watch nothing else. They had those back-to-back steals, like you said, that sealed the game. And then I don't remember exactly the five-man rotation, but do you remember those two plays in the fourth where they had like that extra pass? to wide open three point shooters. Yeah.
1: That's yeah. that's what I think I think Russell missed I think Russell missed one 3 and he hit the first one and it was it was the Spurs ball. And then, it was And the, then
0: Towns hit one to to put them up I think like 86 85 or something or 96 95. But it was just that that's what they want to do, like, right? It's not chicken or egg. It's if they can it's it's chicken then egg. Like if they can get defensive stops, dude, they were running. Like I mean they had three four guys past the half court line after a stop if they could get a stop. So if you're Ryan, that's the that's the first thing you put on film. When you say, listen, if you buy into our system and you can get stops, we're going to just be horses up and down. And this five-out system, it works if we just move the ball. And they were moving it in the fourth quarter, and that was – I mean that was the best eight minutes of of obviously this new regime. But um, it looked beautiful. For a while. Yeah, for a yeah. while. So it uh, that was a big takeaway for me, but – but yeah, other than that, like I said, my bads, as your bads, offense was still stagnant. They're going to have to get that figured out.
1: <laughs> but yeah. And you can't come out of the gates like they did tonight. Like, like a lot of teams, like the Lakers, uh, you know, the Jazz Nets and the Lakers and the Clippers, like they don't let you come back from five minutes sleeping on the sidelines to start the game. Like that, the game's over. You don't get to come back three or four different times against a good team. And in the West, pretty much every team is a good team. Um, this win, as I think it was, there was a lot of encouraging things, but also like against a team that's not the Detroit Pistons, you probably lose that game in the third quarter or you lose that game after 10 minutes of the first, like you can't have, you can't have down patches like they
0: had tonight against a good teams. But devil's, devil's advocate, if I can't make excuses all the time because I'm a homer, then you can't, not you, but just in general, then you can't be like, well, it was the Pistons. Because I've watched yeah. a lot of Wolves teams start that same right. first quarter, and then it was done by the third quarter, right? <laughs> yeah, against
1: teams as bad as the Pistons, right?
0: So if you're if you're the Wolves and everyone's saying that you're going to be 15th in the West and you're going to be a bottom three team, and the Pistons are technically projected to win more than you, like they did do what they had to do. So like, yeah. it's you can't have it both ways in that. And again, it was really ugly, but in winning time, I mean the the um, the Pistons just sat Killian Hayes. They went with Derek. Ro- I mean, they played all their vets in the fourth, um, and the Wolves and Rose was and Rose
1: killed them throughout the game <laughs> yeah. until that fourth. Yeah. Like Rose he was Rose was fifty point against the Jazz. Rose for, for stretches of that game, like it was it was frustrating to watch. It, one, one thing that I had that I guess was was in my random kind of section was the the silent stretches from Carl Anthony Towns. Um, Cat was brilliant tonight. You look in the box score; I think he had twenty two on. on on ten shots or something like that, like he was the reason, without a doubt, that they won the game. Like that, that last eight minutes of the fourth quarter that we've been talking about from Carl Anthony Towns was as good as you'll see on both ends. He he was really good on both ends, but he also had like there was stretches, and this is I put this in the random and maybe more on the good side of random than the bad side. Like there was bursts from Cat, and then there was offensive spells that he just did nothing. Like I don't think that. I don't think it was him personally. I think that some of it was having a lot of cooks in the kitchen, too many cooks in the kitchen, um, and him still adjusting to playing with guys like Beasley and playing with guys like Russell. Uh, I think some of it was just shaking off the rust. He was clearly still a little bit rusty with his shot and a little bit rusty around the rim. But like that that final four or five minutes, like if he plays like that, when he's aggressive like that, this team can be good and it's very fun to watch and and i think that'll sort itself out and and when it does it's going to re- look really good next to next to shooters and offensive playmakers so that was something i had down for the random but i think in general it's encouraging to see towns take over a game like he did in that last 5 minutes
0: and and i, I don't know if you were just saying this now but i want to just reiterate like he so carl had played 30 minutes against what i would say is a pretty physical like above average physical front line uh, Plumley was – Plumley is like one of the more underrated guys, man. Like he is a nice, capable center. Like he can make some plays. He had a really nice uh, backdoor pass to to Derrick Rose. But uh, against Blake Griffin and Plumley, Carl had four fouls, and three of them were offensive. So that just tells you right there that he's – at times when the team needed their best player to make a play, he was kind of forcing it. But he only had one defensive foul. So that's – if you're looking for signs of like positivity, I mean –
1: he was if you want to get into his defense, I think I think Towns, like that was it's firmly in my in my, you know, good section of tonight. I think I thought Towns was really good on defense tonight. Um I think I like I said, a little bit hit and miss and a bit rusty offensively, but he he was put in some tough positions by his point of, point of attack defenders like, you know, in Beasley and and Russell, and they played the zone and, and at just times it was just weird matchups. Like I think Malik Beasley guarded Blake Griffin for at least 10 possessions tonight. So, like, there was just some weird shit going on tonight, but I think he competed really hard. He blocked two shots. He deterred numerous other shots. Um, in that last, you know, in that final five minutes, he, he was at the rim as a, as a deterrent, as a protector on every play, every Derrick Rose drive, every Jeremy Grant drive. Um, he, he, there was one stage where he got out to the corner three point shooter in the zone when someone missed, you know, their assignment. Um, he rebounded well, you know. In a crowd all night, he was in a crowd with without Layman and without Wancho really helping him as a rebounder. They didn't help him as a backside defender, as as a rim protector. I thought Towns had a big load um, kind of heaped on him tonight as a, as a defender, and I thought he handled it really well. Um, there was a lot of optimism for his kind of defensive uptick coming out of the preseason, and I thought tonight was better than any of those three games in the preseason. I was. Actually, very encouraged by Towns' defense tonight, and not just encouraged in a Towns sense, where it's like, yeah, he was average, not terrible. I thought he was good tonight. I thought he was a seven out of ten, and and when Towns is a seven out of ten, especially when he's a nine out of ten for clutch time, for crunch time, it's like that's why they won. They they won because the offense got going, but they won because Towns was was the the quarterback of that defense for the last five minutes.
0: After the after the game, John Krasinski tweeted. So after the game, the Wolves do a lot of different Zoom media post game stuff, and obviously, you and I chose to do this rather than go hang out with the team. But uh, but John John had tweeted out that uh, quote that Carl died on April 13th. He ain't coming back. You're talking to the physical me, that man you're talking about from April 13th or before. I don't know him. He ain't there. A and and that's and a lot of.
1: A lot of the time, that's Carl just you know spinning the wheels. But like he backed that up tonight, and he's backed that
0: up all preseason. But I was so that—that's you made my point for me. I Carl's always been unique with with the media. He's very well spoken, and he oftentimes says what people want to hear. But he's PR trained to a T. But the reason that that sticks out to me is because I saw that same quote: "He ain't coming back." I saw that same guy in the court. I'll, and I'll have to confirm, I'll, I'll, we'll talk to Dane after this, and, like, he was at the game and stuff, but, like, I didn't see Carl complaining about calls. Like, he wasn't flapping his arms all around. Like, he looked like he showed up for for work, you know, not just to play basketball, but he showed up to do work. And, like you said, his defense was some of the best we've seen. And I, I just, you know, he, had, he said some things this preseason that had kind of, you know, stuck with a lot of us. And then tonight and then after the game, like, you know let's see let's see it again on Saturday or whatever, let's see it next week, let's see it in January, but like we might be on the precipice here of like a change. Yeah. Yeah, and
1: and the the most encouraging thing there is that he did that, especially in that last five minutes like I've just been talking about. He did that with while putting the team on his back offensively. Like I think for the last you know, seven, eight plays, it all ran through towns. And it probably should have ran through towns more than that all game. Maybe the the game would have been over a little bit quicker if he if he didn't have those kind of silent stretches. But with those last seven, eight possessions he he got the, the, the three free throws, or I think I think it was two free throws in the end. He hit that three that we talked about before. He he took Plumley off a face up and got to the line. Um they were running wedge action into into um post ups over and over again, with with Rubio and Russell on the floor, it, it was it was a nice showing from Towns, and it might not get some of the the plaudits that a forty you know forty point twenty rebound kind of game does, but that was a winning game from Towns, and especially a winning last quarter where where Minnesota did you know win it for themselves.
0: Do you wanna? Do you wanna? That was, I think, the bad. I mean, I don't think people want to hear too much more yeah. bad. they want to a game. Well, that, yeah,
1: I've, I think I've gone now into the good with, you know, now that we've raved about town. So I think that, that we won the game. Like, don't worry about any more bad. Uh, we're, not, we're pretty optimistic, you know, optimism kind of based guys in general. So let's get into the good and, and let's finish this show off on, on the right note.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, your heroes in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports
1: is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't
0: want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Can I? Can I? Can I start? I don't want to take over your podcast, but no, take it over. Can we talk about Anthony Edwards? Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, Dane tweeted out after the game, Anthony Edwards' first quote as an NBA player. I feel like I played really, really good.
1: <laughs> I loved
0: him. I, I tweeted the other day, like, I don't know if anyone, if you have, and I tweeted
1: out to listen to it, but like, go and listen to Wolves Plus, the podcast with Marnie Gellner, and it's half an hour of absolute Anthony Edwards nuggets of gold, like... He is one of the funniest interviews and not even like trying to be funny. Like he's just a funny dude and just a, a lively guy. And it makes it so easy to root for him.
0: So, so, so how, we, how we said back and forth, Carl Anthony Towns is PR, a PR graduate student, you know? He came <laughs> through the Calipari, Kentucky, uh, you know, like that pipeline. And he has, he's like, what, a five, six year vet. He, he knows what to say, right? I've seen some people say Anthony Edwards, Says all the right things. It is impossible for that kid to know what to say because he just turned nineteen years old. He's just that real. Like, he's and he doesn't just know what cool to say dude. until it comes out of his mouth. Like, no, it just it, no. Carl is four steps ahead in his brain. Of, he's four sentences ahead. Anthony Edwards is two sentences behind. Like, he has no <laughs> idea what he's gonna say, but he's just like, "Yeah, I thought I played awesome tonight," or like, you know, like when he, I, you, I know what you're talking about. It's when he said that he likes dogs and lions, and that (laughs) he doesn't have the house for lions. Like, again, I am not remotely the basketball IQ of pretty much everyone else at Canis and most of Wolves Twitter. But I need you, Wolves Twitter, to stop the Andrew Wiggins comps. Like, I need him to stop now. Okay, I watched Andrew Wiggins last night in this new, shiny Silicon Valley culture on the West Coast. And he did the same shit I saw for five or six years in Minnesota. Anthony Edwards is real. You So let's go to the game then tonight. Yeah, he, he didn't win it for him because he didn't close the game, which I had my gripes about. But whatever, they won. But he was like the the plus factor that every time they got too far down. I tweeted I thought he was a plus 85 on the night. He just kept yeah. them alive. He looked. Yeah. The game had slowed down. He knew how to come around, pick and rolls, and then like kind of slow down and pin a guy on his hip, and just his his movement and everything he did. He was calling for the ball. It's like, dude, you're like the fourth option right now. Just just <laughs> take a break. But I've I've loved what I've seen from him. Um, he is going to have some clunkers of games because he's nineteen. Um, but if we're gonna do this thing every single night for the whole season, like Lamelo Ball didn't score tonight, right? Like Anthony Edwards made winning plays, winning baskets, he went to the rim, he hit a couple threes. Like that dude is going to make it really tough on Ryan to sit him in the fourth quarter, come January and February.
1: Yeah. Uh the the point you made about him not not generally winning the game for them, but like there was that the stretch at the end of the first where Minnesota looked dead in the water after five minutes. Edwards comes in and he brings life and he brings energy. He he's get he's getting to the rim and then you know same thing in the his second spell, which I think was kind of in the in the third and the fourth. Like he just he he made himself available. He was so aggressive attacking attack the rim, which was uh, a huge knock on him coming out of Georgia that that he settled. I think he might have settled for for an early three after he knocked down that first one and then maybe maybe you know half settled for. For a three out of pick and roll in the second half, but outside of that, he's so under control, so aggressive attacking the rim. The offensive rebounds after he missed the layup, you know, to to get stick his nose yep. back in there against the big yep. guys and get and get a tip. His touch around the rim is clearly very, very good. Like yes. that's what they've always, you know, he's, it's always been said about him. But it's not just it's not raw strength and raw agility that is the reason why people love him attacking the rim. It's because he's touched comp- combined with a 45-inch vert and a body that looks like a linebacker. Like, he is... It's the touch. Like, that's that's what makes him special. Um, I think he had a couple of small lapses on defense, especially in transition, which was bad for everyone, Like I, like I noted. But overall, wasn't a noticeable negative defensively, I don't think. And like you said, the team was just much better when he was on the floor. And you cannot ask for any more than that from it from an MDA debut, especially from a guy who, who will have rough shooting nights who still only shot, you know, forty one percent from the field. I think he was five of twelve. But like when he's impacting the game, uh, in a positive way and still shooting, you know, five of twelve, forty percent from the from the floor, that's that's what you want to see. And I think that the confidence level and the excitement level about Anthony Edwards um, is definitely on on the up and really, really, you know, looking really high in
0: the end. And, and the, all of these rookies, we, you know this, right? Because you, you studied more more of them. You taught me so much this summer. Like, I learned so much about this rookie class. They need years before we can make any judgments, right? But that's kind of not what we do here. So I've watched – I did watch – I had another TV going there. I watched a little LaMelo Ball. Struggled, right? That's okay. I watched James Wiseman last night. He put up some good stats, but against – all second third kind of tier guys right like in garbage time and then killian hayes he had some nice moments tonight but i guess my point of all this is is that anthony edwards tonight like they want him to be a star right like they want him to be donovan mitchell Dwayne wade but he came in tonight it was already like a grizzled vet that made winning plays so he didn't hurt his team at all tonight and he is kind of the subtle reason the team stayed afloat so that their stars could go win the game and that's what he's been saying since he came in right he didn't say i'm I'm the number one pick, like give me the ball. He said, this is Carl's team. This is D'Angelo's team. I'm just here to like help them. And that's exactly what he did tonight.
1: Yeah. I I thought he was excellent. He was, he was the first guy who I had on my list of good things. And obviously when the, as the game unfolded and and how good Carl was at the end and and D'Lo hitting big shots at the end, he kind of got pushed down the, down the pecking order a little bit, but I thought he was excellent tonight. Um, I think that I wonder if I wonder if all the talk about how kind of young he is and how Killian Hayes was a steal and you know how Hayes has got the starting role in, in in Detroit. I wonder if that that fueled him a little bit and that because he went out there and he made the guys who had Hayes one and Edwards two, which is you know you're looking at him right now. <laughs> um,
0: I was good. I wasn't <laughs>
1: He, you know, like he he made that prediction seem silly, and obviously it's one game. Like I still would probably take, you know, Hayes over Edwards in the long run, just because that's what I had at the start. And I, I'm gonna stick to my convictions, but uh, Edwards was was great tonight, and what impressed me the most is is what I just noted earlier is that he he knows what the knocks on him were, and he looks and he immediately looks like someone who has taken that in, I'm sure he's taken it in from from Rosas, from from Saunders. You know, we don't want you to shoot ten mid range shots tonight. Like when you come around the corner on a pick and roll, don't take two dribbles and pull up. Like attack the rim, and he he attacked the rim. That was that was easily my favorite part of the night. He attacked the rim so coolly, so comfortably, and, and with so much conviction. Like he he was just
0: he was fun going downhill tonight. And and the thing is, is that he might not have Lamelo's handle, and he might not have. Killian Hayes just kind of craftiness, right? But they they don't have his body, and he <laughs> did, he looked so not scared. Like and again, the the Pistons throw a big a bigger front line out there with with Plumley and Griffin, and he didn't care. Like he just went. Like you said, it's, it's two pretty simple plays, but those little offensive rebounds where he misses, and his just athletic ability to just springboard right back up and get, and put it right back in, dude. That stuff was. I was I was a big big fan um and i think like i said th- that's all you want for him right now he he's so wet behind the ears he just needs to like learn what basketball is because this was the most competitive basketball game he's ever played in his life i mean he yeah. didn't play a single meaningful game at georgia and then AU is a joke, so like, and
1: it, and it was one of the least competitive basketball games he'll ever play in his NBA life. Yeah. Like <laughs> it, you know, like like this, it's a it's a steep learning curve for a guy who just came out of Georgia who wasn't even going to make the tourney. Like, he, it's it's so encouraging to see him just step into that environment and thrive and look like he was comfortable. Like he didn't look overawed, and it, we, no one would have blamed him if he did. Like, this is a strong physical team in in Detroit, and and. That's what they hang their hat on. That you know, they they play a lot of bigs. They like Jeremy Grant starting at the three and and guarding Edwards on multiple occasions, and and Edwards looked completely comfortable with that. Um, moving on, moving on from Edwards because I will end up here for four hours if we talk about it. And, Um What what else you know impressed you tonight? It was obviously um, there was a lot in the end that you can look back on and be pretty impressed with. What what else for you?
0: You know this. A lot of people that follow me on Twitter know this. Big wine guy. Um, <laughs> my dad, get it from my dad. My dad was drinking some wine and had texted me in the first half that Anthony Edwards and Jared Culver might be the new Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown. Um, my dad might have been drunk in North Dakota. But basically, I mean, we came into this whole season, this whole experiment, thinking the Timberwolves had two good players. Carlton Townsend and Daniel Russell. That was pre-lottery, pre-draft, pre-all that stuff. And we're like, okay, it's going to be a good center and a good pop or a point guard, and they have nothing on the wing, right? Maybe Malik Beasley. Then they draft Ant. And then we start hearing these rumors of Jarrett Culver you know, like just snorting protein powder all summer long. Jarrett Culver still needs to do it for longer stretches, right? Because he's now done it for one, game, one regular season game. Preseason is preseason. At some point, we need to have a community meeting about Jarrett Culver because he too now is just like, He doesn't look the same. I'm not talking about shot. Like there there was one in the first half where he like got the ball and looked pissed off and made it a point that he was going to get to the rim. He doesn't, he didn't do that, man. Like he was freaked out by the free throw line for him to have 10 rebounds and for the Timberwolves to out rebound a pretty big Pistons team. Like, no one 40. else had
1: no one else had more than five rebounds for the night except Culver and Carltone Towns. So like that that shows you and and like we've said all all of this podcast like they're physical and they were and they were hitting the glass really hard the the um, Pistons and they Minnesota ended up out rebounding them out rebounding them and that's a lot of that falls on Culver.
0: Hernan Gomez, Nas Reed, and Jake Layman pretty much what you would say are the, the front line next to carl had 9 combined rebounds. Culver had 10. And and that's the thing is is that again, <sighs> dad, I'm sorry, but like he's not in the he 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 has a long way to go, but he's so long. That was one of his calling cards coming out of Texas Tech was his it wasn't his like he's not built like ant in terms of a out of this world like leaper, but he's so long that when he gets into the paint, he can just grab those rebounds over guys that just don't have his length. And his rebounding played a big role. And he just doesn't look, I think, what did he go? Like two, two of three from the free throw line? I know he missed one. Uh, four of five, I think. Four of five, okay. Yeah, so he missed yeah, one, but again, it, it looked better. Again, you're you're my shot guy, but his shot's still a little funky, but
1: it just it's looks- a comp- It's all in between the ears yeah, for
0: him. Yep, like yep. right
1: now, right now, that's, there's, you know, sunshine and rainbows in there. And last season, it was thunderstorms. And that's- that's the difference right now. He, he he thinks he's gonna make the shots. It's like we were saying with Wancho earlier. Like when you think you're gonna make the shots and and you're not worrying about your, where your next miss is coming from, it it starts to just work out better for you for you. And Culver looks like that. He he just looks confident. And what that allows, and that just I'm just mixing in my another good point that I had here with yours is that it allows him and Okagi to play together. And last season that was untenable um especially offensively and, and in the end after after the trade deadline they just didn't Saunders just didn't play those two together at all tonight so they played 10 minutes together they were a plus 6 together um defensively when they're to, when they're on the court with each other Minnesota can actually get stops and can actually stop people at the point of attack and have a guy off the ball who does something except you know stand there like a traffic cone and that when like playing them 10 minutes together winning those 10 minutes uh, that's huge for for Minnesota, and that's because Jared Culver is actually confident offensively, and you know you can trust him to with the ball in his hands. You can trust him to drive to the rim and get fouled. You can trust him to shoot the open shot, and and I know he was, went zero of one tonight from three, but I think they trust him to make a reasonable percentage of those open shots. And uh, I was I I completely agree. I was again very very encouraged with Culver, I, as you know. I just finished the uh, film Fantastic. room article about about him and that was all centered on his defense and I think he was again pretty good defensively. But it's that that article didn't do enough justice to the fact that he's been just as impressive offensively. I just don't have the time to write ten thousand words, but he, he was so good though, offensively. Again tonight.
0: though, let's, let's bookmark this really quick because if you if you're listening to this and you haven't read Jake's piece, his film room breakdown, like I can I can spew out offensive numbers because I can look at a box score and say 10 rebounds. But the defensive breakdown you did, that's more important. And that kind of goes back to, so this bookmark I want to put in, I want to come back to this, but I want to ask you quick. What it, cause I don't, I don't see the game as well as you. I thought, and I texted Mike this, I thought Malik Beasley's defense, he missed some shots. He was a little overzealous, but I thought Malik Beasley for like the third, fourth straight game looked solid on defense. Am I right or am I wrong?
1: Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't agree. With the three four games, I was pretty down with him okay, after the fine, preseason. But, but I thought he but I thought he was pretty good tonight. As as was is with the case more with defences, I need to go and re watch the entire game. Okay, okay focus focusing on someone for defense. More like you know, offense like you said with the box score, but just offensively, you kind of know how good a guy is offensively just because you watch them score a bunch of points or, you know, not score a bunch of points. But there was multiple times where I thought, like, that's nice defense, Malik. There was one in the corner where I don't know it was Jeremy Grant tried to take him off the dribble and he you know sidesteps one way came back the other way and and didn't get overpowered by a guy who's way bigger than him and that's kind of been uh, Malik's problem is that he's quite slight of build and he can't get through screens and big guys kind of bully him. Um, I I didn't come out of this game thinking man Malik Beasley was bad on defense tonight like I thought that okay. about Russell I thought Russell was pretty
0: bad on defense tonight um, but but there was nothing stood out to me about. Him beasley that was bad okay because i mean malik beasley plays like a guy who takes nine scoops of pre-workout but 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 if he can even be i saw i maybe i was a little hyped but for me it's like defense and again this comes from a guy who like isn't a very good basketball player but can play defense like defense is just a lot of hustle right Yeah, like a lot of effort
1: and that's the difference between him and russell is that even if you go back and watch the film and beasley had you know five mistakes five or five ten mistakes like you don't notice them like you notice them with D'Angelo Russell yeah. because he, okay. he's he's not like it's not making those mistakes because he's lazy. It's making no he's
0: he's, he's always too he's, hard. Yeah,
1: <laughs> he's trying too hard, which is kind of like the Towns thing where he's trying to be in five spots at once and he's trying to you know make that play. And, and that's like obviously you want him to be a great defender, but if you're gonna be a bad defender, you want to be the bad
0: defender that's trying too hard. Right. And so so just to finish, pull my bookmark out and just finish that like you. One game, I know, it's the Pistons, but you kind of get this faint in the, like, in the fog view, right, of, like, this team with this all-world offensive center who his defense is getting better. Two, not elite point guards, but two point guards that are very good at what they do in D'Angelo and Ricky, and then something we didn't think we had in June, July, and August, just this plethora of these young guards that can kind of defend and kind of score and kind of get to the rim, like... You're starting to kind of see what's bubbling here, right? Like you're starting to see what's getting made. Now it could, it could go south, but I'm just saying, like if you if this Beasley thing, if he's just an average defender rather than bad, and if Culver's a good defender rather than average, and you know Josh is a borderline elite defender, then Ant can guard and he can dribble and he can run. You know, some backup. Like you're starting to see all this stuff where it's like, okay, if they can just iron out these rotations, yeah, you
1: starting to you're <laughs> starting to see what is seeing. Like, yeah, yeah and and Beasley's a part of that I think that Beasley's as we get to see him you know kind of in his normal self rather than like the flamethrower that we saw after the trade deadline like I've written about it before and I think most people knew like that was never gonna stick completely like he wasn't gonna shoot 42 percent on eight threes a game nine threes a game because that's like Steph Curry numbers um but as we see more like he is the definition of streaky and Sometimes that's a bad thing. Sometimes that's a good thing. Like, we saw at the start of the game, he was forcing things. You know, he he had a few open looks, a few half-open looks that he jacked up straight away, and you're kind of like, oh, no, Malik, like, you know, these are wasted possessions. And then he finishes 10 of 18 from the field. He top scores. He scores 23 points. He hits multiple big shots. uh The three after the Russell three pretty much completely turns the tide in Minnesota's favor. And then he he works on the boards, um... I think that he's just one of those guys that even with, uh, he's off. Obviously, his off court dramas are you know each to their own. How they how they perceive those, and then the defensive stuff. Like I'm pretty down on it, but he's a guy who's when you're watching the game and you're invested in the game, he's pretty easy to root for because he's working hard. Like he played 26 minutes tonight, scored 23 points,
0: and you didn't really feel like he played that well. He, he had a moment in the first half where he was battling for a rebound underneath the basket on the wolf side. And there was it was really physical. And I think he got the rebound and maybe got fouled and the ball got out of his hands, but they didn't call it. Then he had to scrap for it and he got it again. And then they finally blew the whistle. And he was screaming. I mean, there's not a lot of people in the building, but he was screaming so loud. And again, that's my thing with him is like, he's going to take bad heat checks and he's going to do some dumb things. But for all these years of watching the Wiggins of the world just coast. Malik Beasley doesn't coast. That dude and, gives you everything.
1: Yeah, and I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way when I say it, but like, there's some Kevin Garnett inside him in the way that he just like he just seems angry all the time, and he's yelling, and he's you know, spits flying out of his mouth, and he's and he's talking trash to people, even even if he's you know, missed five shots in a row, and then he hits a three, he's but talking trash that. to the bench. Yeah, you and, and you do need that, and especially on a team that has you know been. Maligned for not yeah. having that guy, like, he's, and in a di- in a different way, D'Angelo Russell's the same. He's more cool, calm, and collected, but like, he's just gonna like, he has some big
0: stones, man. Like, he hit some this- dude, he hit some shots that went up, sniffed like the one banner the Timberwolves have, <laughs> and then came back down. I mean, he was he he was the antithesis of what Malik Beasley is, but not yeah. in a bad way. He was like you said, he was Mister Ice in his veins in the fourth quarter. Like he just, he, he took a couple and Jim Pete called it out specifically, but he took a couple like tie game, semi heat check leaners, like leaning jump shots that were off balance and bad decisions. But he hit some shots, man, that were like, and he was just calm and doing his thing. And it was awesome. I want to see if you had another, or, you know, one more good, because I did have one more good, but I wanted you to go.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I've one more, and it, it involves Rubio, and it, it was uh, sorry, it involves Russell, and it was the Russell and Rubio minutes. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, if you like, I, where I'm getting all these plus minuses is from Jack Bormans. Jack does a like a lineup tracker throughout the game. Like, please, if you if you want to know all these things, go and check out Jack's. You'll find it on his Twitter feed during any game. Um, it is so helpful, so especially. Helpful. You, Especially if you want, if you love breaking down this kind of stuff like me, um, Rubio and Russell played eight point five minutes together, which is kind of around maybe a bit, a little bit on the low end of what I expect them to play most games. I think they kind of want to give, they want to give them, you know, time together, and then they want to give them time apart where each individual can can run the offense and have the keys to the offense. But in those eight and a half minutes, which included the last five and a half minutes of the game. Um, Minnesota were plus 19 and plus 15 in that, in that final five and a half minutes. Um, as much as Cat won them the game, and, and I think Joshua Cody did his part by just bringing so much energy in that last five minutes, it was, it was the looks they could throw at Detroit with two point guards on the floor and that really, um, pushed them, you know, forward and pushed them towards that win because when those two are together, and with Towns, and when Towns is clicking at the same time, it's just such a hard offensive offense to guard. Rubio doesn't need a score. He doesn't even need to get assists because he just plays smart. And then there's Russell. He's hitting threes from 35 feet. Um, he's he fed Towns so many times in that last quarter. I know it's so, uh, it's such a little thing, but like just watching Russell make entry passes to Towns on the on the block pinpoint every time and pigeon roll feeds. It's just so nice after having to watch Jeff T for two, three years. Um, and, and yeah, just th- those Russell and Rubio minutes, the the way that they can run multiple actions with multiple different ball handlers, um, that really stood out to me. And that's something that I know that everyone's watching, but I'll be watching a lot more. And I think that the minutes will increase because that's, that was a really big part of why they went on that end of game run for me.
0: Yeah. And you, I think you touched on this, but uh uh, he was tied with a Kogi, but Ricky Rubio was a, the team leader at plus seventeen. So his yeah. three points, three rebound or three assists, you know, like that's that's not why he's here, man. He's here to do those two, st- like make game winning plays. And I, I'm with you. I uh, shout out to Jack because I saw those minutes too about their how much they played together, and just I I think they're gonna have to do a lot of that. Um, they're gonna have to play small because you gotta find minutes for Josh and Jarrett and Ant and and Beasley, but you gotta keep d'angelo and ricky on the court as as much as you can so i would i just wanted to give this this will not take long but i did want to give a shout out and i also want your opinion again but my my third good or whatever i i might i'm an eye test guy and you're like an analytics guy so you're smarter than me i love Nas reed so much
1: like yeah. I, I thought i, Nas, I,
0: lo- I thought naz was really good tonight he he missed a three, and his shot just looks a little off. It, it's still smooth. His feet literally do not leave the floor, but but he, I mean, he he had more blocks than the entire Detroit Pistons, and not yeah. get blocks with the P. L. He, all, he looks
1: he looks so spry. I noted it on Twitter during the game, like compared to what he came in as, he looks so much more athletic. You know, his agility is so much more obvious to see. He's clearly slimmed down. Like there was one block, I think. The guy you know, the, the, the guard got past him, I can't think off the top of my head who it was. And then he kind of, you know, tracked him down and pinned it against the backboard, and that was a certain make, and that's stuff that you just didn't see from Nas in his first, you know, fifteen, twenty games. And now it, it doesn't seem weird when he does it. And I know that he was uh um a minus in the plus minus, but but that's the they're the times where the plus single game plus minus really doesn't paint the whole picture because he was good tonight, Nas, and very much just a Backup center. Like I don't think that anyone will have any problems with Reid playing eighteen 8 minutes behind Kyle Anthony Towns next game.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like I said, when Nas Reid is your starting center, your team is going to be terrible. But when yeah. Reid has given you sixteen to eighteen minutes, uh, he had a, this a pretty nice putback dunk in the second half. Yeah, uh, he had. I think out of his three blocks, two of them came consecutive, like on the same play, where he was just the only rim protection. The team I mean the team only had five total blocks, I think. Um, but again. There are there are good reasons to criticize Gerson Rosas for some of the moves he's made, but I just kind of want to remind people that Nasri just 21, making a little over one million dollars this year, 1.7 next year, 1.9 the next year, and then he's a restricted free agent. Like this, that dude is so helpful for when you're building this kind of studs and duds model, and for him to come in, I thought he gave really good minutes. I've I was saying I was talking to Brendan Headkey about this, but like I don't I think he's gonna make it so that Ryan can't play Ed Davis. Like maybe Ed Davis will get a, a stint here and there, but I just think Nas, if, if you want to, if you're a nerd like Jake and I go watch Nas read in summer league, 2019, he can't jump over the free throw line. Like he, he has no athleticism. He has put so much work into his body. It's a testament to him for going undrafted and probably being pissed off. Um, I think he's a gem, man. I, when, when he comes in for Carl, I don't panic. It's not great, but I'm like, okay. That's team. all you need.
1: That's all you need yep. from your reserves, especially when they're backing up Carl Anthony Towns. Like you don't expect Carl Anthony Towns to go off the floor and for Reed to make the team better on offense. Yeah, like you exactly. just expect him to hold down the four. Like if you have a 10 point lead, it's not now a six point deficit when, when Towns comes back in. Like it's a, it's a six point lead. And that's what you want from from your backup big, especially a guy who's undrafted in his second season. St- clearly, has a long way still to go and to still develop. And yeah, I-, I think that the point you made about not playing Ed Davis is like if Ed Davis was ever gonna get minutes for sure, it would have been the start of the season. If if, uh, if yeah, Saunders yeah. didn't trust if Saunders didn't trust him and he wanted to start with a little bit more veteran leadership and a bit more experience, it would have been at the start of the season. But I think. Nas, even missing games through the, through the COVID protocol and, and getting back late to training camp. Um, he's entrenched in this rotation until he proves otherwise. And if he plays like tonight, that otherwise is not going to come.
0: So, tonight was fun. Everyone's probably going to listen to this on Christmas Eve morning. Unless you're in Australia and you're going to listen to it on Christmas. Very good gift. Yeah. Uh, but I, let's, let's, let's recap here just a little bit. Because it's just the first game, but they kind of needed to win it. Because six of the next seven are against teams that everyone is projecting to be like top five in the West: Jazz, Lakers, Clippers. They get a little reprieve against the Wizards, and then Nuggets, Nuggets, Blazers. So, yeah, and even have- that Wizards
1: game, you know, like they took Philly to the wire tonight. Yeah, that's and true. They, that's they, true. They, they have Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, so it's by no means an easy beat.
0: There was there was a simulation where I was going to message you that if they lost tonight, they might not win until like Valentine's Day. <laughs> but but again they, they got the win I thought they have I think any good coach wants to be like yeah we won but we have a thousand things to work on and I, I, I saw Rubio after the game had said like hey I hate to be this guy but like we didn't play well that's good yeah. you know what I mean like that's that's why you want the veteran you don't want all the young guys like I mean Anthony Edwards I made fun of it right I, I, I laughed with it but like he was like I played really well well you want some calm, level-headed, like actually guys, we have a lot to work on. Let's get back in the gym tomorrow, but that was man, 288 days. We we put in a lot of words and a lot of shit for over nothing and we talked about a lot of things that didn't matter, but tonight mattered and uh well, I guess I before before you cut me off. What was like your general final take? Or, like what do you what do you want to see on this road trip because it's it's going to get tough. <laughs> um I think I think you just want to
1: see competitiveness, don't you? Like you can't come out and hope for for wins. Like this, there's we we all know there's a long way to go with this team. We know that it's gonna there's gonna be some rough moments, and there were some rough moments tonight in a game that they won, and that we're all pretty damn happy about. But you, ideally, you want to win one, don't you? Like you just yeah, want to steal yeah, one.
0: That's... You want to steal one off Utah, probably. You know, like come back it's... and be two and two when they when they come back home for the Wizards. You know.
1: Steal yeah, one game yeah. and
0: you're two and two, and then you can kind of get frisky again. But, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be. Buddy, Hill,
1: Buddy Hill just made a tip layup on the buzzer to win as well. So Nuggets lost, you know, their first game. Like things, things happen. See,
0: yeah, wow, I got it. You have a good setup that you can – Oh, that was an overtime too. So I guess yeah, my my takeaway is just the rotation is all is going to constantly be shuffling early on, and that gives you and I and other fans kind of a reason to like criticize. Because like you said tonight, when Wancho was in, it's like, pull him, pull him, pull him. It's not going to be that quick and that easy. But I I just hope that by, you know, New Year's or January 15th, we're starting to see like one big switch. Maybe, maybe it's Jarrett takes Josh's spot in the starting lineup or something just, or you know, Ant is the first guy off the bench, maybe not Ricky or something like, I just want to see like our first major change of the season, because I, I don't. I think when we start to get a big enough sample size, that starting lineup of of Russell and Beasley and Layman and Okoge and Towns, I think we're gonna. That's not gonna last. I just I don't think that's a very good starting lineup, um, and I think I think they're gonna have to make some tweaks to it. So,
1: yeah, I, I, and and I completely agree, and I think we will see that eventually. But but like you know, at the start, which I still I think will stick with me because I thought it was a really good point. Is just. Like you need to let some of these things play out. Like the kinks need to work themselves out. Like obviously Ryan Saunders needs to be holding this hose and and working the kinks out himself. But sometimes the kinks just need to work themselves out. Um, as as the water flows through the hose, you know. And and this is um this is the first game of of probably you know ten fifteen twenty that that these kinks will work themselves out. And I think by you know January February like then you'll see differences you'll see what this team's going to be heading towards the future and i think tonight was obviously a fun step um i don't have i don't want to get be too down on anything tonight just because the Timberwolves don't win enough games to be <laughs> to be down on things when they do win you know so so i'm taking this uh as a good night and um you know hoping that there's there's more of these than than usual this season
0: yeah well uh this team lacks a hierarchy this team lacks a kind of a, a pecking order Really from two on down, like I know it should be D'Lo, but And I think it, just,
1: I think sometimes even from one, like when you saw the Town yeah, when you saw yeah. Towns take the reins and say, I'm the best player on this team, that's when this team went that's when they won. Yep. Like that's before a great then point. It, it was kind of just like everyone gets it gets their own shot and Beasley gets to shoot whenever he wants and Russell gets to jack up, you know, threes in transition and, and all those things are fine and good. Like they'll happen throughout the whole season. But once it was almost like and I think credit to Saunders, um, that when it came to crunch time, when it was a draw with five minutes left, um, they he said to Towns like, "This is your team, you know. This is we're, we're gonna we're gonna run every play now for Towns. We're gonna get him in the post. He's gonna abuse Mason Plumley, and we're gonna win." And I I really like to see that, and I, I think I hope that they do that more often from from the first whistle.
0: Yeah, because that's that's a great way to end it. But yeah, Carlton Towns, I mean. You're going to see nights where he finishes with less shots than Malik Beasley, because Malik Beasley's a gunner. That's just what he yeah. does. But he, well, he, finished finished with eight, he finished with eight less shots tonight, and he was clearly the best player on the floor. Right. But the thing that this would be kind of a, a startling, hey, let's remember this and talk about this in a week. He finished with less shots than Anthony Edwards. Like, he <laughs> yeah. had 10 shots and Ant had 12. So again, maybe that's a little game flow. But to your point, it's, it's like we talk about all the time. It's not about who starts and who finishes. And for towns and cat
1: finished it tonight. Cat
0: finished it tonight. Cat took a majority of the big shots at the end. He touched the ball on almost every possession. Credit to Ryan. Um, and he he, Carlton Anthony Towns T- man, T- had tips every would be ex- right. T- yeah, tips you- would be
1: absolutely fuming right now at the fact that Carlton Anthony Towns touched the ball you know for ten
0: possessions in a row to end the game. Carlton Anthony Towns had every excuse to not play this season, and to not play it well, and. Yeah, he says a lot of shit that you think is just PR or people think is just PR, but he actually backed that up tonight for like the first time ever. Uh, and I think his growth, even more than Anthony Edwards, who I love, his growth and what he showed tonight—that is the storyline. Like, uh, let's 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 keep this in mind a week, two weeks, three months down the road because if that's still how he's playing, man, whew, this is going to be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, uh, and. and- that's a
1: perfect way to end it. I think we'll we'll, we'll end on that, Carl, um, Thank you so much for doing this. At any time you know that we can that I get a chance to do a post game, um, everyone listening, like I I will do it. Um, I'm on holidays at the moment, but obviously, work and and life and stuff kind of restricts me throughout the week usually. But it, it's I love a post game show. Maybe I won't love it so much when the Lakers slap the Wolves by 45, but. Um, Tonight was a good night, and we'll leave it at that. Carl,
0: thanks so much, dude. Yeah, dude. Merry Christmas Eve. Happy holidays. Uh, everyone listening, have a great, safe holidays if you're traveling. Um, be safe, be well, and uh, we'll talk again soon.
1: Right back at you, man. And, yeah, happy holidays, everyone listening. Um, thanks for following along for the, for this entire year. Thank <laughs> you.